Hey everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. It's been a little while. We recently did Deadpool, but we have seen Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm Frank, and I'm here with two founding Long Lost Heroes, uh, my co-host, AJ Sherman. How you doing, man? Hey, Frank. How are you? And I'm good, and we have our special senior Star Wars correspondent, Matt ZB. How you doing, man? I'm doing excellent. Thank you guys for the lovely title. Happy to play it. Yeah, um, so I guess we it's been a little bit of uh, some time since we've all been together physically and have spoke, obviously, also. Um, and then Solo came out a little over a week ago. So, um, but that's kind of our main topic of discussion today. Um, you know, always great day when there's a new Star Wars movie. Um, we are blessed to have, you know, two movies in six months, which is great. Um, and uh, so I... Yeah, I saw this with my in-laws in Roanoke, Virginia, like over a week ago, Memorial Weekend. Um, it was a pretty good house, but overall, I, I think probably a lot of people are seeing that it's not quite um, same level of uh, audience as, as we're used to with these Star Wars movies. Uh, when did you guys see it? I went with my brother the other day, uh, or my brother on the Sunday of the release weekend, to the good IMAX in Lincoln Center. And I agree. I thought the crowd was pretty subdued. I thought that people were definitely not as excited or, gen or genuinely like uh, vocal throughout the movie. I I think that, you know, at Last Jedi and definitely at Force Awakens, like, you know, it was the same level of excitement as a crowd going to a Marvel movie. And I think that the crowd definitely felt more subdued and, you know, more like arms folded and like trying to see what was going to happen before they, you know, kind of all gave into what was going on. But uh, I'd be curious to see what it's like to go see it now. What about, and but Matt, you saw it like opening night. What was it like then? I saw it um, the Thursday before, I guess the first day it was out, Thursday evening. Um, people were excited, you know, people clapped when the Lucasfilm banner came up. There were a couple of cheers, but it wasn't like, you know, seeing episode eight or episode seven. It was, it was again, felt pretty subdued. Um, so I, I want to kind of start with something that you just said there, Frank, and that you were like, you know, we were blessed with another Star Wars movie in six months. So I want to start right here. So I think that actually we were not blessed. I think that yeah. this is kind of a misstep by Lucasfilm. And I think that it's also kind of a one that they kind of stepped in on purpose. They knew that they were going to do this. So I think that it's six months is too soon to have another Star Wars movie. I think you need to have a year plus between films. Um, I don't think that we can have a star more than one Star Wars movie per year unless they're doing other stuff with it and we will get to there when we get there. But at, ju at just at this point, I think that it, it's just, it's just not, it's just not going to work. And I think that that is partially to blame for the low box office uh, that has come out from this movie. And I think that it also has to do with uh, the fact that they didn't think that this movie was going to be able to do the kind of numbers that last Jedi or even force awakens was going to do. So they knew that by putting this movie here, regardless of whether or not it makes money in, I'm sure that globally it probably will, 
they can kind of, you know, put this movie here and there it goes and move on to the next thing. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're clearly Disney trying to marvelize Star Wars in, in a way. And, you know, obviously right now we're getting like three Marvel movies a year um, and all to varying degrees of financial success. You know, you have your Infinity Wars that make upwards of 250 million dollars. But then you have your like Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is coming out in a couple weeks. That's not going to be anywhere near that. No one's going to make a big deal that they, that it didn't make $200 million. Um, I think just that at this point, Star Wars has been such a big spectacle f- franchise that, you know, their movies are fewer and far between. So like when they do come out that they should make a lot of money. Um, but I agree with you. I, I think um, six months was probably too soon. I think they, they needed to ramp up a little bit more. Um, I, I don't think the marketing really kicked in. And I think there was a lot of competition. I think Memorial Weekend was a hard sell for any movie. Um, but, you know, we they have a, a, a while now before the next movie comes out. Um, but obviously there's so many different projects in the can right now that they're they're working on, whether it's the Ryan Johnson movies, the, the Game of Thrones guys, um, you know, other other stories that that they're going to be doing you know obi-wan and stuff like that so it's uh it's interesting because we have a lot of a lot more movies coming out but it's like i think we need to really the the audiences need to kind of get up to speed before they can have you know two or three star wars movies a year maybe maybe once a year something like that i don't know what do you think zb i think um it's an interesting I see both sides of it. You know, on one hand, the demand for more Star Wars is there. People want to see these movies. Um, and I think with The Last Jedi having mostly mixed reviews, maybe left a sour taste in some people's mouth and weren't quite ready to to accept or go see something else when they were, like, not sure how it would deliver. Um, to say that they can't have that same success that Marvel has. I don't know that that's true because that's what they're, that's like their business plan right now is to, you know, Marvelize MCU, the whole Star Wars universe, and which you saw through the plot lines of this movie where it all ties in to the rest. And you could see that there's going to, you know, there could easily be two more of these movies that will lead up to another movie or even, you know, episode four or whatever it may be. But, um, it all is going to be intertwined at some point. And yes, Star Wars fatigue could be a thing, but you know, this is, I think, something that we spoke about when we, on the first podcast after Force Awakens was like, you know, is it going to be special anymore? And this is, you know, the first sign where I feel like it's starting to lose some of its real allure and uh, prestige in the, in the cinema universe i agree with you and and i think that there's a whole bunch of other factors that led to this not being a prestige movie it didn't feel top tier star wars it totally felt like an ant-man and that's the thing like star wars doesn't really yet star wars doesn't have ant-man yet star or that equivalent it doesn't have like a you know a small movie you can't like even like think about rogue one Rogue One, you have three planets, one of which we're very familiar with, but 
over the course of about three hours, you build to the different planets. There's three planets in 30 minutes in this movie. And like, you really are just so forced to do these movies so big that you can't have just these small little stories. So like, you know, there's a lot of this movie that I think um, was a part of a George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan fever dream that they always wanted to do. And these were kind of the, the big dreams that they wanted to achieve. But, you know, and that's totally there. Uh, the, but the, what I would say, and, and I want to stress going forward is, I hope that they space these movies out into the future that you don't get a Star Wars every every uh, six months. You get it every year, maybe every other year. You know, think about Jurassic Park. Think about other franchises that have kind of extended their breadth between films so that they can kind of keep the franchise going further because there's not going to be a stop of the movies. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think if they space them out a little bit more judiciously, they'll have a bit more success uh, financially but one of the things I think that Han Solo or Solo suffers from is critical response, um, which is not mirrored by the audience response. It's almost an exact inverse of Last Jedi in that Last Jedi, you have critical response, very high audience response, very low uh, solo critical response, very low audience response, very high. And I think that there's something to be said about the fickle Star Wars fan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you may have a point there. Um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, you're right. I, I do feel like the fan response here is is much stronger. Um, uh, you know, I, I think the thing is back to both of what you guys were both saying. They're uh, they're going to be interconnecting these movies more, um, but they're also going to be hitting you know totally different stories, and they're going to have like. A Ryan Johnson trilogy that may not be set in the same timeline and you know stuff like that where they could release that one in the same year as another movie but I, I, I think it just needs to be eventized I think this you know this movie suffered from n not being an event the movies are okay so I like this movie and I, I feel a part of the, the fan response in that I think that this movie has some fun parts in it but I, I don't think that it's perfect so, like, uh, one of my favorite things was the train sequence. I thought that, that was absolutely awesome. I liked Woody Harrelson swaggering around. Um, yeah, all the new stuff I thought was really cool. What, what about you guys? Yeah, I, I think we should um, put up our spoiler warning now. Um, we've talked kind of broadly about how the film's done, general critical response and everything, but... Um, we're going to get into spoilers. There's a lot to unpack here, um, as always. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, come back. You know, it's, it's been about two weeks, so a lot of people probably have. So um, full spoilers from here on out. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of really cool and interesting new characters in this movie. There's um, really cool new locations, great aliens, um, and, you know, they introduced so many new things, but they also like played so many things, you know, back to, to Han Solo as a character, um, you know, almost in like, I think I've seen a lot more complaints from this. That's like almost every line that he said in the original trilogy was kind of explored here in a way. Um, 
which is fine. I think it made for an entertaining ride. Um, and but like I I my expectations going to this film were pretty low, and I was like my I was exceeded, and I, I ended up liking it more than I thought I would. Um, and like do want to see more of uh, Aaron Reich as Han Solo. You know, I think it's there's opportunity to have more films. I agree with you that there's an opportunity to have more films, but in order to sustain this podcast and maybe to save everybody a bit of bandwidth, do you want to switch to audio only? Switching to yeah, audio. That's fine. Okay, everybody. Um, so yeah, I agree with you that the movies have to be interconnected in order to, to play with each other and they're doing really great right now. Um, you know, but <sighs> Okay, so let's start. I mean, Corellia, I thought, was a pretty cool planet. I was hoping that they were going to show some more of Corellia. I was hoping we would get a pullback. What uh, I mean, but overall, I thought the speeder chase was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I, I agree. I think Cor- Corellia was one of those inner core planets that were, were never explored in the original films, but you know, you heard about it, um, but you, and you get a little bit of its seediness. And I think that was kind of a really cool new dark side to the, the star Wars universe. But I agree. I would, would have wished to see more of it or maybe return to that planet at some point in this movie. But that's, you know, if they do have another movie in this series, maybe they'll go back. Yeah, maybe the, I, I liked the scary bug lady. I thought she was kind of freaky. Um, you know, it, I thought, what did you think when they had the, the Imperial March playing during the like Imperial sign up draft station? <laughs> did you notice that? I did not like that. I did not like that. Actually. You did not like that. Okay. Fair enough. I think that was a little too meta. Um, it's the anthem. Yeah, but like never ha- before has it been played in universe. It was it's always like right. the score of the movie. So to hear it in universe was just really jarring to me. Well, it's always been in space, so maybe like I guess they could play it over the speaker, but on the planet it it almost grounds the films more than being out in space. I don't know. I to me, I, it feels I, like- I dug it actually. I thought that it made sense that they would have like a song and that it, that it was kind of like tongue in cheek. I kind of, I, I dug that part actually. I thought that was okay. Um, all right. Uh, you want to just start going through some, some characters that do you want to start with Kira? I mean, I, I had really high hopes for Amelia Clark. I love her. You know, we've, we do the game of Thrones on the podcast. Like obviously we love Khaleesi. Um, I think that she really kind of did something that I didn't expect. I didn't, I didn't expect the way that her character turned out, and I felt like as much as her character is a you know a very interesting and good grounded Star Wars character, I also felt like they did some new stuff. What do you think, ZB? Yeah, I was surprised by her. I felt like, um, you know, she had some. Strong character development could have been stronger. I felt like all the women actually in this film were a little underdeveloped. You know, um, Woody Harrelson's wife kind of just kills herself, and then Andy Newton, yeah. the droid who was who was fantastic, kind of has a minor role, but it plays a bigger part. 
but she was great. And then, yeah, and then uh, Kira, you know, some twists and turns. Um, I thought she was she was pretty good for the film. Um, I was super surprised by Alderon. I thought he was better than it, I anticipated. Mm. Um, definitely not channeling Harrison Ford, kind of doing his own thing. Um, but it worked, and he sort of had that smirky, you know, sly guy kind of attitude, but still a guy who hasn't quite found himself and, like, doesn't know what to make of all this. Like, really wanted to be the bad guy, but was a good guy at heart. Um where I think when we meet him in episode four, he's, you know, he's a good guy, but he's already done a lot of... He's also much more cynical. He's much more cynical. Totally. You know, you know totally. he's a he's a total scoundrel at that point. Like, at this point, he's still redeemable and lovable and highly marketable. Um, yeah, he's, na- he's naive. Yeah. Uh, I Okay. Do you want to talk about the Chewy entrance? I thought that... That whole sequence was uh, as good as you could possibly do it. You know, I I dug dirty, mucky, muddy, chewy <laughs> coming out and them having a fight. I don't know if I totally dug that Han knows how to speak Wookiee, but okay. And <laughs> like it just it seemed to kind of just roll. It once Chewy was a part of the movie, the movie picked up for me. Yeah, I I agree. I I think the um the expectation from probably a lot of audience members is like, oh, you know, the beast below, it's going to be some sort of like rancor kind of thing. Um, but you know, I I was like, yes, it's going to be chewy. This is going to be some something really awesome here. And I agree. I think you got to sort of suspend disbelief. Like, okay, yeah, Han understands him. Like, <laughs> I guess you. He learns uh, to speak it better over the years, so by the time they're in a new hope, they're he's like pretty fluent in it. But um, yeah, I agree. I think that's really when the movie started to pick up. It was a little, a little fuzzy to me. Like this whole, um, you know, he joins the Empire, and it's like so many years later already that he hasn't gone back to Corellia. So like, it, it felt a little bit like it was um, stumbling in the beginning. But like by the time. Uh, he, you know, Chewie gets in and you get that, like the, the goofy uh, shower scene between the two of them. It's like, <laughs> like you really, he finally has his buddy and like Chewie really does ground the movie. And he's always such like, he's a great character that, you know, he doesn't really speak or you don't, you can't understand him, but like, he's almost always right. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah. you want to follow him. Chewie is kind of the audience in some ways, and it's weird. It's interesting to hear you say that, like we relate. Chewie grounds the movie, like this seven foot talking dog, <laughs> like or walking dog, like <laughs> this. This grounds the movie for us. And and talk about suspending your disbelief. I mean, when they meet, yeah. Chewie beats the shit out of him. Like, <laughs> yeah. how would he not die? Right. He like throws back he i he fucking mangles him and then he's like kind of just okay and there was a lot of that, that in this movie more so you know i know star wars is always like laser beams boom 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 and like no one ever gets hit but this really felt like there were a lot of instances and a lot of battles that felt like um the stakes seemed high and and, and no one really suffered from it there was a lot of hand-to-hand combat i'll give you that it was all it was a lot of close combat. It wasn't a lot of dogfights or 
far away battlefields. It was all pretty close yeah. combat. Um, yeah. I think that's like what actually makes this movie really cool to me is that that's what made it feel so un Star Wars and and in, in, in a good way. And that like you don't have the lightsabers to rely on. You don't. Ha- it feel it feels more like a heist movie. You know, everything's like they have a, a, like literally a train heist in this movie, which you know is like a staple for um, any you know classic movie like that. And it just it they have like some time assembling a team and like there's just everyone is always like turning uh, you know on each other and like what you you don't know who you can trust that whole thing um, and that really made it have like life to me you know, like it, it moved it forward um, and you know it, it's interesting because like you you get you, um, Han getting the blaster like his iconic blaster but you never see Chewie get his like Wookie bowcaster thing right uh, they'll de- they'll deal with that and yeah. if, and like if anything that I learned anything from solo it's that they want to make sure that we know that we see them toss around the MacGuffins. Um, there was no uh, life debt. I thought we would do that. I mean, I guess he kind of saves him on the train, but it wasn't like, was that the one that that saved his life? That Wookiee, that now that he owes him? But like, it, it, I felt like they would have made more of a big deal out of that. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I think that this movie, you know, and I think that Frank was touching upon it a little bit earlier, is like the interconnected marvelness of it all never like, like the the sequel to this movie, I think could be really great in, in ways that like the sequel to Deadpool wasn't good. That like when you have, when you have a Batman Begins, you can do a Dark Knight. And that whatever they're going to do in the second round, like, with this franchise, like, they could do some really wild and crazy shit. So I'm sure that they'll toss around, you know, the bowcaster that may have the life debt so you really understand what's going on. You meet Jabba, like, they'll do, mm-hmm. you know, they even mentioned, you know, not to get super down and sweaty on it this early, but, like, they still mentioned Gardola the Hut. Gardola the Hut is Jabba's dad, so, like what happened between this and that, like had that takeover, you know, there's, I think that they intentionally built a sequel into this movie that, uh, you know, they, they couldn't get to do all the stuff that they wanted to do this round. Um, yeah. So, well, cause you kind of didn't know what you were going to get from, from this movie. And I think it, like you said, I, I do think it laid the groundwork nicely for, two more films that come that now I'm sort of more hyped to like, like, like Frank, I had fairly low expectations for this film um, and was surprised by it. You know, I, 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 it's a great popcorn flick. Just turn off your mind space Western. Um, that, you know, was one of the main reasons we all fell in love with Star Wars to begin with. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing the next part and like kind of diving deeper into this underbelly and seeing parts of tattooing we haven't seen and meeting these obscure characters that, you know, you've only heard about in, you know, books or, you know, other canon materials. All right. So I think, let me ask you guys though. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think we're going to get do you think we're going to get that sequel though? Like, cause I, I agree. I really want to see it, but 
you know, it didn't even crack a hundred mil on its opening weekend. This past weekend, it, it didn't make that much money. Do you think that they are going to like take a hard look at it and and try to see what didn't work, what what did? Like, I mean, I I think the the movie is is fine and fun and fans like it, but like, what do they need to do to to make that sequel pop and and to convince whoever they need to convince that it's it's worth making? Uh, yes, I'm positive that they make the sequel. Um, and I think that there is no doubt in my mind that they are are moving towards that area. There's a whole bunch of variables that Disney now has to get, you know, Lucasfilm rather has to climb over in order to get to a sequel. You know, obviously you need to have new writers who, whether that you bring in the younger Kasdan to kind of take the lead or if they turn to new individuals or, you know who they have to they're going to who's going to direct this this film like there's so many new things that they're going to do um but i think that there's a few things to be certain i think that first of all we've seen that disney is like moving in the or not disney lucasfilm is moving in the direction of showrunners and people who are more accustomed with the serialized storytelling by bringing on ryan johnson for his trilogy and the game of thrones guys to do their trilogy uh it wouldn't surprise me if more tv people uh, kind of came over from their respective projects into the fold. Um, uh, on the contrary, though, I could also see them that maybe if we don't see Han Solo show up in Solo 2, The Quest for More Soloing, um, that Han Solo <laughs> and Chewie show up in Boba Fett. And that mm-hmm. you kind of cross the movies in the way that they figured out how to do Marvel, that in a post-Avengers world, if you're going to have a superhero sequel in a world in which there are the Avengers, you need to have multiple Avengers in your movie in order to justify the kind of threat that you're looking to create. So if you're really going to have a crazy bounty hunter movie with Boba Fett, uh, then you may need to have Han Solo and Chewie as your opposing force, uh, almost maybe as an antagonist, you know, in a, in a separate way, you know? So which one do you guys do? You, which one do you want to see? That's the question. That's a very interesting point. You know, um, well, they did announce sort of the writer director. I mean, the Boba Fett movie is happening. So, and that kind of seems like it's next on the docket while solo two has not been announced. Right. So that, that's a good hunch, but I, there's a few things to that one is, I could definitely see. I could definitely see it happening. But is that too confusing to the audience and the storylines? Like, is this the movie about Boba Fett, or is this the next movie about Han Solo? Where I guess it could be one and the same. And Boba Fett himself, while we don't know much about him, you know, they're going to have to build a lot in this story to make a full film, you know, super interesting. Um, so, I mean, I hope it's Solo 2, but I also would like to see him in Boba Fett, but not as, like, sort of the antagonist, because then I think that takes away from the storyline we're given him and also the Boba Fett movie in itself. Like, right, like, you can't you yeah. can't expect a standalone movie Maybe to I'm stand wrong. alone if it can't have its own characters. I appreciate that. Frank, right. so yeah. here's what I... Th- I think so. I thought that it was interesting that this movie 
is solo a Star Wars story, and it was such an ensemble focus. Like, think about, yes, he's he's the central character, and you're following his path, but, like, the supporting cast really, like, sold this movie, I think, in a lot of ways. And, like, yeah, what better way to, to kind of lean into that and, and instead of being, like, okay, solo the sequel or whatever you want to call it, you just have, like, something else whether it's Boba Fett or something, the next chapter, you know, like, you know, dotting the lines, connecting towards Rogue One, because like even in this movie we have, you know, even earlier seeds of the rebellion beginning. And um, however, I I do think that it would be fun to have Han and Chewie as the antagonist to Boba Fett, because like Boba Fett as a character inherently, you don't want to have a lot of screen time. You don't really want him to talk. You don't want to know his motivations. He's like, he's cool on his own because he's badass and quiet and he sits in the corner and like, like, I don't know. I think if you have him pit against somebody really interesting, I think that it it would benefit everyone. Then why is Um, it the Boba Fett movie? Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe it's like the Han Solo sequel featuring Boba Fett. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Which would be cool. And like you said, I mean, if the net, if that's the second one and the third one is, it's going to be Obi-Wan, you could see how that's all going to be, you know, the trilogy that all could tie in together pretty nicely. I, I, all right, pay us money. Yeah. <laughs> we figured I, it out. <laughs> I ship that. Um, okay. I want to talk about some other stuff. Okay. So, uh, there's a lot of like hype on the internet that you can go and listen to. Um, but if you're a subscriber of us, then you know that we're just like talking about it to talk about it. So, um, I don't think we're breaking any new ground here, but I do think that it's just interesting to talk about. So, uh, Paul Bettany, um, was brought in for Michael K. Williams because Michael K. Williams couldn't make the reshoots and pretty much they shot all of Paul Bettany's stuff very quickly. Um, I, I gotta say like as much as I thought that his character was cool and a little bit scary and that. You know, I definitely felt threatened by him. Uh, uh, I really wish that they had Michael K. Williams, man. <laughs> well, but the thing is, Michael K. Williams was only a voice actor, and that it was going to be a complete CGI character. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like I, but I, like, see, I was reading about this today, and I, I understand where you're coming from, and like Paul Bettany's character was fine, but I think in order for the like emotional. Um, connection to work between Kira and his character Dryden Voss like you, you needed need him that to be a human. human connection yeah um so uh, and that's probably like that's where Ron Howard like really fixed that part I think um for better or for worse but like that's like where his influence was yeah he's right um but you know yeah I mean, yeah it would be disagree. a totally different movie totally different um yeah uh okay um all right, so you do. Should Orman, we talk about it? We we're at as a director. What do you think of the direction? Oh shit, the direction. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this movie was kind of plagued by, you know, by not having its voice. Do you think? I mean, we'll never really know how much was Lord and Miller and how much was Ron Howard. I'd say most of this movie is probably Ron Howard, whereas Lord and Miller probably helped, helped develop it and. And, you know, put out some beats, but I think tying it all back together, I mean, from what I've read, the reshoots were extensive and, you know, 
Ron Howard had a vision, knew exactly what he wanted, and kind of was able to, you know, fix this movie, which seemed like a mess um, after those guys were fired. And I think it's like a solid storytelling. You know, it just it doesn't try too hard. I mean, there's a lot going on, but but it's all pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy to track. You know, it's no Last Jedi where you're like, what? What's happening? You know, it's like, it's pretty cut and dry. And um, yeah, I think the direction, I think all the performances are pretty solid. Um, yeah, I look good. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for a walk, but I'm I'm gonna try to bring it back. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> take it. I'm gonna take it out. I'm gonna try to bring it back. Um, all right. Okay, so you know the the movie that Lord and Miller shot. Like apparently, there's a trailer that they have with like just their footage that I think will probably leak at some point. Whether it's with the DVD or after the DVD, I don't know, but I really do think we'll probably see that. Matt, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like more footage or more deleted scenes from there on out. And then no, I also probably not. And then also, like it's crazy to think that like Ron Howard came in cold off the bench and like made arguably a very competent, very good Star Wars movie. So like part of me was thinking like, is it kind of our fault, you know, like collectively as nerds who are interested and want to know what's going on, that like the fervor and interest is so high for these movies that generates the kind of money that these people pay, which then motivates the people to hire this talent, this talent fails, and then because we can't do anything but pay attention and try to figure out what's going on, we then follow as this movie goes through problems and then ultimately to now. Whereas maybe thinking, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago, the filmmakers maybe had a little bit more privacy in being able to say, you know, what we may have heard or not have heard about the process of them making it. So I think that given the level of scrutiny that like that movies are put up with now, like the job that Ron Howard did is is unbelievable. It's really it it's gonna it's historic in one way, but it's also like had we not known about all this bullshit and it wasn't uh, Lord and Miller and and we didn't hear about all this hubbub and you didn't hear about Gareth Edwards even before that, like it. I think that it does affect it. It does affect how people perceive the movie, how people perceive it to be, even though it really looks very similar to the original Star Wars in some ways that some of the newer movies really haven't. You know, Ron, it, George Lucas even did AD work on parts of this movie. Like, uh, the big car chase, you know, is inspired through American Graffiti, which is inspired through George Lucas. Like AJ, you're 100% right, I think. You know, everything is under a microscope nowadays. And, you know, back in the day, filmmakers were able to make their movies and, and things would go on behind the scenes and no one would know about it. And that's when you have, like, documentaries come out 10 years later about, like, everything that happened on the set of whatever. Um, so, yeah, everything I, – I, I think this movie does feel like 
uh, it feels more in line with the original trilogy. I think Ron Howard's voice is very clear through most of it. Um, and it is interesting that how much he consulted with Lucas. I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's saying something, you know, obviously there's that older generation that, you know, they, they probably bonded over it so that he wanted to, to consult him on it. And, you know, they had Han Solo consult on uh, Harrison Ford rather consult on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's probably another movie, you know, alternate universe where Lord Miller made it and it, it came out, whatever. But I think, you know, all this stuff behind the scenes really did affect probably the audience attendance. And, you know, people were like, well, you know, it sounds like it had problems and all that. And, you know, it, that's a shame. But um, I think I think people will think of it fondly. I think um, I haven't seen it twice. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it again yet, but um, probably oh, yeah. on repeat viewings, people are enjoying it. Um, but yeah. I also just think Ron Howard is just a totally you know, different caliber director than, you know, Lord and Miller. They're young guys. They're, you know, trying to do things their way. Ron Howard's making movies for, for what, 30, 40 years? Like, Ron Howard's in show business just, uh, for a lifetime. Like, yeah, totally. You know, it's it's unmatched. Like, so, okay, I, we're now reaching, I don't know if this is the official mark on the podcast, but... We're 40 minutes into this thing, and we haven't even talked about our horny friend. Um, so, uh, I love this. Um, I thought that this was great, and I cannot believe that they brought him back. I didn't think he was coming back. I really thought oh, see, it was going to be somebody else. But I, When you're talking horny friend, I was like, Lando. Yeah, Lando's pretty horny. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Lando's well, Lando's you're also speaking horny. Of someone else. Well, should we talk about D- Donald Glover? I mean, he's having like a cultural moment right now. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely need to uh, we need to mention Lando and Donald Glover because that was another you know role in this movie that really, like I said before, the supporting cast was was so strong, um, and like I, for me, he sold it more as you know billy d williams and alden Ehrenreich sold it as harrison ford i think there's just that swagger there and like they added so many depths and layers to the character and he was funny he you know every time he was on screen again like once chewie came on on screen like the movie moved forward once lando came on screen it was like okay i'm in i'm watching this like i'm ready to go um zb what do you think yeah i thought he was really good really charming I was a little underwhelmed because I kind of heard he was like the best part and I felt like he was in a way kind of just Donald Glover being Donald Glover. And I know that that's the advice he kind of got was just be charming and do your thing. Like you can't be Billy. But there were definitely like a lot of like Lando mannerisms and I thought, you know, the wardrobe and the styling for him was fantastic. Um, It also shows like a little bit the deep dive into their friendship and, um, you know, all the, the card games and kind of the lying and stealing between them, you, you know, it was really cool to see. Um, he was good. He was good. I didn't think he was, you know, the best part of the movie, um, but he was, he was really solid. I agree with you. I don't think he was the best part of the movie, but it's amazing, like, 
like do not uh, you know I will not be a person who will not say you know he's having like a cultural moment like his album last year is incredible uh, you know I don't know if his performance in Han Solo is you know you know Oscar award winning but I think he's creating no, it's he, not. he's creating like a new version <laughs> of a character that I think we can grow with you know and I think that he can grow with and and that we can all kind of move forward and then this is America like that's just ridiculous so yeah he I mean he's he's a super he, he's a super talent you know he's yeah he's unbelievable writer director actor musician he's just like, like kind of doing it all and yeah he's he's killing it i loved hey his robot was great the droid i thought was really nice um l3 i totally dig that l3 is a part of the ship i i see no problem with that i'm i'm fine um now please can we talk to the matter at hand uh absolutely um okay so Crimson Dawn. I didn't see uh, Darth Maul coming at all. Um, Matt, walk me through your experience of seeing Darth Maul come on screen. I, I gotta, I gotta hear you. It wasn't until like, yeah, it wasn't until after it happened that I was like, "Fuck!" This was like they were feeding this to us the, the whole time. But, you know, you, you're not expecting to see a Jedi or a Sith or anything in this movie because it's not, like, where your focus is. So it's, it's um, you know, his big reveal when he finally showed up. But, yeah, all the under, underground crime syndicates were cool to hear about. And then, like, you know, Paul Molony's character with, like, the little... Terracasi with the kind of red lightsaber glow. It's like, okay, where do you get that shit? You know, <laughs> but um, but yeah, and then you know, as far as everyone knows, he thinks he's dead unless you watch Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever it is. Rebels. Um, you know, his storyline is super fleshed out in those cartoons, um, and you go on to see that he lives and you know has this whole kind of second act um, that. I'd love to see live action. Um, and I think that's why, you know, the hype for solo two will be that much more interesting is because you're, you're like, Oh, I already know that there's going to be this badass fucking character that will most likely be in it fucking shit up. So, um, what's that about? Yeah. I mean, I, I was so excited. <laughs> like, and it was like not even the end of the movie for me. It was at some point when when they, they maybe when they meet um, Dryden Voss and talking about how like oh but you know Crimson Dawn is like there's some there's always someone to report to. I was like oh shit like because I've watched the Clone Wars because I've read the comics and Rebels like I know that you know Darth Maul you know, survived and everything. And he was part of all these other crime syndicates. And like, while the uh, Crimson Dawn is a new name, um, like he was a part of other ones. And it's like, it's, it's all cut from the same cloth. I'm like, they, they totally could do it. I was just like, I don't know if they'll actually go there. And when they actually did, I was just like, I was so excited. Like I couldn't, like it couldn't sit still. It was great. Um, and you're right. Like it's, he's a character that, you know, when, when Phantom Menace first came out was like, 
you know, a big success. And he was like one of the biggest highlights from that movie and like totally undersold because the rest of the prequels, like he's not in them and, you know, they kind of went a different direction and now they have the opportunity to bring him back. And like, there's a, a big fan base out there that really loves his character. He's really fleshed out and they can do something really interesting with him, even though like a lot of these other characters as it's a, as it's a prequel story, like we do know the fate of him, but there is so much untold history there. Um, so I'm excited. I, I think that he would be a, another welcome intrusion inclusion in a sequel. Uh, whoever he's a part of, maybe he hires Boba Fett or something like that, but the more uh, Maul, the better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm all over it. Uh, I really dig it. Uh, I I got to tell you, I didn't expect it to be him. I thought it was going to be Vader, like, outside of the suit and, like, the pod thing in a way that they haven't shown us in, like, a cool way to use poor Hayden Christensen. Um, but... Yeah, I was I was floored. And then I had just seen recently that actually the idea to use uh, Darth Maul actually comes from the younger Kasdan as he was a, a young kid like us when the prequels came out. So he wanted to kind of throw it back to our generation, which I think is kind of interesting and something that, you know, we really haven't seen Disney do yet. So it was cool to see them, you know, drop this one. Uh, okay, let's wrap up over here. Uh, hand, so, sh- hand shot first, not very subtle. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I think that was cool. I think it's, there are a lot of moments like that throughout the movie where it's like, okay, we need to establish, you know, this is where he shoots first. This is how you say his name. This is why the, the Falcon looks like this. This is why there are dice. Like, And all those things were kind of really cool in the moment, but like... I don't know. I, I think it's cool that it was like Beckett's last lesson to him. Like, I'm sure if he actually got the word out, he would have said, always oh, shoot first or something like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the one thing, so sort of connected, but speaking of um, other items that are like Easter eggy things throughout the movie, the thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was how he got his name. I don't know. What do you guys think about like Han Solo, like Solo being like a, uh, a given last name? Uh, yeah, it was kind of one of those eye rolls, but it was so early in the movie. I kind of didn't mind it just because it was like, okay, you don't know where he got his last name from. You know, he came from kind of nothing. This just kind of further solidifies it. It was definitely a little cheesy, but I think it kind of worked. I, I wasn't terribly Meta, I know it's causing a lot of people some like strife, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just weird because it's the name of the movie too. And so like maybe there's a yeah. bigger story to be told about that and it's uh, like solo the name of the movie is like actually just like his new people or something like that. I don't know. But... Uh, okay, all right. Okay. I, I just had a breakthrough. So here's the breakthrough. This is intentional. So like solo comes from nothing right and now solo has ascended now ben solo has ascended to even be a skywalker and now he's kylo ren ray is also out of nothing and like now we're like watching her ascension you know like it, it's i i think it has something to do with that like they oh, have shit they like yeah like they're trying to play around with you know coming of age and you know gaining your stuff and getting getting your name 
Um, you know, I wish I'd loved this movie, but in a lot of ways, I don't know if this movie was necessarily for me after Last Jedi. I think that Last Jedi is the the Star Wars movie I've always wanted and always needed, and like now going forward, like it's going to be different, you know. Uh, so <sighs> after what, like the Last Jedi behind the scenes footage is so fucking good like it's just out of control amazing i can't stress to you enough like how much worth it it is to purchase the dvd and just blow through the the special features i don't think that han solo will have that same effect for me like i like i'm not dying to know like his reasonings or what they thought about like the things that really interest me from this and i think that will carry on going forward is like you know, Lucas wanted to make a Han Solo origin story, you know, even all the way up until 2012, right before he sold it. Like, Solo was going to happen kind of as a part of the deal or not. Um, do you think that, like, the decision that they made here was worth it? Like, the mea culpa of it all. Like, we never really get here in these kind of discussions, but I think this is kind of a good place to end on. Like, like it's done like it's over like whether like we're not going to argue over whether or not like it was um you know they should have done it or not but like i think looking back on it now like did the having done it like was this the right move like like is there another universe where maybe they don't do a solo movie and they did you know josh trank's yoda movie or boba fett that they did like is this the movie that we deserve and the is and that is is the movie we got and the movie that we deserve the same well one i was always hesitant of solo being one of the first few movies you know i think we had this discussion that there's so many other films you you're kind of curious to see than the origin story of solo but there, like I said, I think there's a reason that they did this with him. You know, he is Kylo Ren's father. There is a tie into the original trilogy. There's a tie into the new trilogy um, and possibly further films. So I think this is all kind of mapped out already. I think they have to kind of do the, these main characters that everyone knows before they could kind of do like, you know, the Knights of the Old Republic or these more, you know, offshoot films that, you know, might not... not garner as much attention um i just think there's a plan for all of it but like you said i mean solo coming from nothing ray coming from nothing ray came from, from solo i don't know like maybe there's a connection there you know it yeah. could all i don't know it's 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 all connected and i think you know while it may not be what we want to see next i think there's a reason they're showing it to us yeah yeah i i think it's also interesting that like the original trilogy ends with um anakin skywalker dying and so the next movies that get made after that are showing his childhood and so when han solo is killed in force awakened it's like okay now let's go see how he became who he was and so there's a little bit of like in, in star wars there's always that cyclical nature to it um whether any other characters in the sequel trilogy, whether they die, are we going to see, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen because we kind of already know the story of Luke and Leia. So, um, 
but yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think um, I'm, I would love like a Lando movie that's like, you know, framed by you know past uh, like um, present day Billy D. Williams, kind of old and weathered, and like looking back on his life. I would love a movie like that, and you know, look back to and have Donald Glover play him as a a youth. I think that would be cool. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think this movie was kind of inevitable. I think, it, like you were saying, um, Lucas wanted to make it up until 2012. I think it says a lot that the Kasdans wrote it. I think there's probably a huge influence from Lucas and that, you know, if there was maybe a script one day, you know, a decade ago that they were working on, maybe there's seeds from that still in this movie. So I think it is very much a holdover from the old guard. It feels a lot like that. I think that's okay. Um, because all the projects that are coming up, um, I, I think even a Boba Fett movie, while he's like a character we know, we don't know like anything about no, him. No, we know so nothing like, about him. Pretty much everything else coming out in the future is like new ground. And I think that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it happened, it, it came, it, it went. Um, whether it's the one we deserved or not, I don't know. But, you know, I think they're. They can really only look up from here. Um, if if this is the dud of the of the new movies, like that's that's okay because it's really only like a B. You know, it's not like the worst thing. No, they they, they right. didn't fail here. I, I think that we'll look back on this movie like the Iron Man two of the Star Wars universe, in that it started a lot of new things, but that you know ultimately the things that it started outweighed what it was in its inception and that, you know, going forward that they'll hit, there'll be a new stride of Star Wars. Like, I, I think that after Last Jedi and whether or not, you know, J.J. is able to do this with Episode Nine or, you know, what people are, are now calling the, uh, the threequel of the J.J. Abrams trilogy. I heard someone say it like that. Um, that, like... You know, I don't know when that neck, what the Winter Soldier is going to be of the Star Wars universe, but I'm excited to see as they get there. Um, so, Matt, anything else that you want to close up on saying, or anything you want to plug? Um, thank you so much for being on and 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 consulting with us. We really do appreciate it. No, of course. I mean, thank you guys for having me back again. I always love shooting this shit with you guys. I mean, I would say. This movie, like Frank said, I had low expectations for it. Um, I was just like, yeah, let's see it. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. You know, I didn't take anything kind of too seriously. It, it did remind me of, like, kind of one of the reasons that I fell in love with Star Wars was, you know, the connection to family and, you know, origin story and kind of seeing these other worlds that you would not have ever seen. I thought that was super enjoyable. And, you know, when I was younger, I played the online Star Wars game, Star Wars Galaxies, which, like, felt like a real deep dive into the Star Wars world and being able to kind of choose your own adventure. And this, like, had a lot of those elements to that game in the movie. Um, like, even the talk, the references, the places they were in, the, the different characters. It, um, it felt removed but similar and it was cool to see them kind of explore this side of the galaxy and i hope you know it continues to be a deeper dive into the new world that is 
so vast, and I feel like we've only seen so little of. I feel you. Thank yeah, you man. very much. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you know, as always, you can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. Uh, I recently did find uh, Max Daniels, your email, included uh, into the Gmail. Uh, I will be sending this to Frank. <laughs> uh, I have not checked that email <laughs> in a long time. Uh, Max has a lot of insight on Last Jedi, and I think that we may have to read this before we <laughs> launch into it at this time. Um, All right. But, yeah, we people have been sending us stuff. Um and yeah, you can check us out uh Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Um and uh you know, please leave us a rating or review on in, on uh iTunes. That will help us get higher up in, you know, the standings and allow more people to find the podcast. Uh you can leave a funny one. You don't have to leave a super serious one, but even leaving some information and, and mostly positive stuff is gonna really help us. So uh, as always, and coming from you remotely, hopefully for the last time for, on this podcast, AJ Sherman with my friends, <laughs> Frank, <laughs> and uh, and Matt, Matt. And, and Matt Z. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. guys. This has been super fun, and Thanks, we'll so. catch you next time. Take care, bud. Bye. Bye.